Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy! Your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the exciting world of Jeopardy! I'm Sarah Foss. I'm joined today by Buzzy Cohen. So glad to have you. Thank you for having me. We have a full buffet of things happening in the world of Jeopardy, don't we? Yes, I can tell that you're ready to get down to business. A little visual for you all. Buzzy has thrown his tie over his shoulder. (laughs) He's ready to dive deep into these episodes. I am, yes. I'm being carried away on a Vespa scooter of joy after... Just so much wonderful Jeopardy in the past week. Yeah, and we wonder where Michael is, but I'm pretty sure he's with Johnny Gilbert. Yeah, oh, that's right. Today is band practice. Yeah, yeah. Johnny on the axe. Michael's bongos, did we say? Yeah, well, I, you know, I mentioned bongos. He kind of sloughed that off, but All I don't right. know. We'll find out. We'll find out next week on Inside Jeopardy. But Battle this of week, the Bands edition. It's coming. This week, it's all about Jeopardy Masters episodes five through seven. If you are loving Masters as much as we are... If you're loving Jeopardy Masters. You are loving Jeopardy Masters as much as we are. Well, then you need some Jeopardy Masters merch. And it is available on the Jeopardy store. I can tell you, a little inside Jeopardy here. We Mm. actually sent all of our Masters a little Jeopardy Masters merch. They received the Mega Board Blanket. You've seen the Mega Board at the top of every show. I don't remember who all was listening closely when I told you that every category or clue that you see on that mega board at the beginning of every show, that was something one of our six masters Mm -hmm. faced in one of their games. So it's like an Easter egg for our masters contestants. We thought it only fitting that they receive the master's mega board blanket as a small token of our appreciation for making some great television. So you at home, you can get a master's mega board blanket. You can get a pint glass with your favorite who is Masters contestant? Is it Sam Buttry? Is it Amy Schneider? Who is it? You can get the merch. And uh, there's also t-shirts. Yeah, I, I have an idea for the merch team, which is, you know, those like grabber things where, you know, for, oh, yeah. for reaching things. Yeah. It should be the Sam Buttry bring it grabber because you want to bring oh, that stuff. I don't know if you want to share that here on the pod. That idea is golden. A million dollar idea. Yeah. I mean, if I hear bring it one more time, I'm just going to smile because every time That's Sam right. says it or anyone else says it, it brings me so yeah, much I think joy. Last week, the Jeopardy social team dropped a bring it montage, which I really enjoyed. And more and more on the syndicated show, we're hearing it. Contestants are coming on in the shows that you will see in June and July. They want to be a part of the Sam Buttry train, and they are calling it out for their final clues in the category. I love how James started the kind of like all-in gesture, which I feel like that has spread, and now we've got more. We're creating our own little lore here at Jeopardy, and I love it. Well, another person creating something pretty magical is McKenna. You may remember during the TOC, she made a cross-stitch of our finalists. Well, she's one-upped herself now, or three-upped herself. She made a cross-stitch of all six masters. Mm. It's pretty accurate, I have to say. It's really good. I mean, it's amazing how recognizable they are, considering they have neither noses, mouths, or ears, but 
Man, McKenna, what a gift. I know exactly who each of those six is. And the ratings, we should say, for Masters, they continue to exceed our expectations. And people are loving it. Hard to imagine just three episodes remain. It's not enough. When it was first announced and we knew it was going to be 10 episodes, 20 games, 10 hours of Jeopardy, I'm like, wow, that's a lot. Now it's not enough. It's not enough. So we're going to get into the highlights of all of last week's Masters games. But also we have the return of Ben Chan versus Hannah Wilson. Lots to talk about in syndication as well. Let's get right into it. Cue those beep boops. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. We hear from so many interesting people on this podcast about their love for learning. What if you could learn from the world's best all in one place? You can with Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the best to become your best. Masterclass is the only streaming platform where you can learn and grow with over 200 of the world's best for just $10 a month. And you can access Masterclass on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even in audio mode. Confidently navigate the media with the influential, intellectual Noam Chomsky. Use science to solve your problems with Bill Nye. Or learn from the past with Pulitzer Prize-winning historian... Doris Kearns Goodwin. I personally enjoy James Clear's class that is helping me build smarter habits to help tackle daily challenges. Right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. Masterclass.com slash Jeopardy. All right. On Monday in primetime, we kicked off week two of Jeopardy! Masters with Matteo Roach, Matt Amodio, and Amy Schneider. This was a Tournament of Champions exhibition game rematch. And if any of you saw that game earlier this season, you know that these three players, they brought it. That was one of the most fun games I have watched all season long, in many seasons, actually. And they brought it again this time, except that it all came down really to daily doubles. Amy missed a 5,000-point daily double. Matt went all in on the next one to give him an 8,400-point lead over second place Matea. That was all heading into final. Both Matea and Matt were incorrect, but Matt was left with just enough points to secure the win. Amy, actually the only one who was correct in final, and had she wagered more, she would have snuck in from third place to win, but instead she ends with her fourth second place finish. Amy even said, you know, if only I had known how to do arithmetic, (laughs) I would have gotten that win. Yeah. You know, first off, before we uh, get much further, I have to shout out Matea's pistachio suit, which Mm. when they came out, I immediately, I have an exclamation point in my handy dandy notebook next to that. Uh, I thought this was a tough final, but what I loved about this game was that, yes, Matt went big on that true daily double uh, and had a big lead, but because of the way they were all spaced out, everybody was really, really in it. 
Um, and so that, that's the kind of game I love to see. And that's evidenced by the fact that Amy going into final and third place could have taken the lead. But great to see Matt take a W. Well, and Amy, I loved in her interview when she said, you know, I went out and did some karaoke last night. It's either going to be a great idea or a bad idea. Her go-to song, Part of Your World, very in the news right now with the new Little Mermaid coming out and uh, asked by Ken why she chose that song. It's in her vocal range. For those of you who somehow missed it, the category for final was the U.S. government. Clue was not a department head, but of cabinet rank. The person in this post has had an official residence in a 42nd floor Park Avenue penthouse. Correct response, of course, is what is ambassador to the U.N.? Uh, I want to give a shout out to Rocky Schmidt, who got this one right sitting next to me and wrote it down in my notebook. That's how I know. There you go. There was proof. Obviously, Rocky, we've mentioned, is a consultant now on the show. So he had the chance to sit in the audience for one of the first times. And he said it's really strange, Yes, you know, being on the other side. But don't get me wrong. There were opportunities for Rocky to be like, hey, did you think about that? Hey. (laughs) And also to prove that he's got it. You know, he was a multi-day champion back in his day. So apparently he still got it in Final Jeopardy. Still got it even though it proved to be a tough one. Middle March really seemed to be a a tough topic for our contestants over the past Mm. season. Amy, of course, missed that 5,000-point daily double about Middle March. And if you remember, that was a category in the TOC exhibition game. So Matt later joked in the post-game chat, if I am so lucky to be back on this stage again, <laughs> I will have read Middlemarch. He promises. Well, let's see. You know, next time he flies out to Culver City, we're going to test him on that. All right. Did you read Middlemarch, Matt? Moving on to the second game where James faces Andrew and Sam. Yes, with the help of a big 9,200-point daily double in Double Jeopardy, James was able to extend his lead and secure a runaway, heading into final with Andrew and Sam tied for second. Sam went all in on final, but unfortunately was incorrect, leaving Andrew with the second place finish due to his zero point wager. Yeah, this is one of those interesting situations that we get because of the match point system where obviously no one's catching James. But that one match point versus zero match points is really, really significant. Now, we saw James had a a very familiar prop for you, Buzzy. He brought his TOC championship belt a lot of comments about this online. People were saying, hey, does Jeopardy really give out a belt if you win the TOC? We do not. No. But Buzzy Cohen does. Well, it actually, <laughs> the, way that, the way that it works now is the previous TOC winner garnishes it for the next TOC winner. And this was based on a challenge I put out after my TOC for the field of what became the 2019 TOC. James has paid it forward, as now has Sam. And so Amy, I saw her obviously during the taping, and she said she would definitely be back for the next TOC to hand the belt to the next champion. Yes, and I even saw someone uh, say online, oh, it would have been so cool if Sam Cavanaugh had been there for the TOC to give Amy a belt. He was. He was. Yeah. He gave her the belt, (laughs) and uh, that was such a great idea that We thought so, too, and we made sure Sam was in the audience to do that on Amy's winning show. Another thing we learned that all of us here on the show have known for a while is that Andrew, he is a dad. He welcomed a new son, Everett. As all of you know, you know, we have Jeopardy production time and Jeopardy airtime, and we had intended to record three episodes of Masters back on March 14th and two episodes of Masters on March 15th. We all went to lunch after our first show on the 15th, 
and Andrew got a call that his partner Sarah had um, just had the early signs of labor. And the minute that his fellow contestants heard about that, the first thing all of them said in agreement was, you can't keep playing. You've got to go home right now. The show can't make you play. You know, you need to be with your partner. And of course, the minute we heard about it, we were just in agreement, but we were also really just blown away by the support of fellow contestants. Mm -hmm. Even game show villain James Holtzauer, he's a dad. He knows how important this moment was. I will say Andrew's partner, Sarah, wasn't due to go into labor for over a week, but we always knew, and we talked to Andrew about this, even when he first agreed to do Masters. You know, he shared the news with me. I said, Andrew, you live, thankfully, a one-hour flight away, and we will make sure that you get home. Or if for some reason you can't come out to Masters, that's one of the reasons we needed an alternate. So it was an unexpected delay, but it was great to see uh, the Jeopardy! Masters community and you know the staff and crew. We sent him on his way. Uh, we received a photo of baby Everett a few days later could not be a cuter baby and you know andrew has told us since he's actually you know getting pretty good sleep everett's a good little baby and in his interview he really thanked his partner sarah and said that he would not be anywhere without her and that he was going to bring something nice back for her and baby everett well it certainly hasn't slowed him down because andrew you know in spite of having a tough game against james has really been i think one of the standouts you know i had a conversation with Ken and 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 he even has said there's stuff where he often will talk to the writers this is too hard and the contestants get it and oftentimes it's Andrew is the one who gets those really tough clues so uh my hat is off to you having gone through two newborns and the <laughs> stress and all of that way to go Andrew yeah and we should say during all-stars you know you were waiting for the call that's right the day of the draft was the day that my second kid was due and we had like multiple contingencies oh, yes. ready including an auto draft uh, luckily she came a week late but well this game may be over but we heard so many great things in the post-game chat yeah you know Sam said I haven't really established that I belong in this group and I came pretty close today but all three of us came to play and gave 110 percent James in that moment walked over to Sam and said, you belong here. And I have to say, Sam's stats up to this point, it proves just that he does belong in this competition. With the exception of games one, Sam is in the top three for all of our tiebreaker stat categories in this tournament. He is right up there. He is in the top three. Absolutely deserves to be here. He's a strong player, and there are so many games where in my notes I say, wow, Sam is really in his groove. I think he's just, he makes a couple of simple unforced errors, sometimes choosing uh, the wrong category or buzzing in and guessing where when you're up against a player like James or Andrew, sometimes that's just the stuff that holds you back from getting up to that next level. All right, well, moving on to the first game of Tuesday's show with Andrew, Matea, and Sam. Despite missing two true daily doubles in the double Jeopardy round, Andrew clawed his way back to first place heading into final. Andrew and Matea were both correct in final, but a small wager by Matea gave Andrew the win and a secured spot in the semifinals. Yeah, this was one where the Jeopardy round felt a little bit wonky. Like, nobody really found their groove. I mean, yeah, they're all kind of playing. The stats aren't crazy, and they're all kind of tossing around. But the feeling in the studio was, you know, no one really took the reins. 
that sort of started to shift. I'm proud of Andrew for going hard on both those daily doubles. And he, the fact that he was still in the lead after losing $11,600 on daily doubles just proves what a strong player he was in that double jeopardy round. And what do you think about Matea? You know, obviously really trying to just secure that one match point. This is, again, why the gameplay is so different in Masters. You're not yeah. necessarily going all in for that win. That one point can be equally as valuable. It's tricky. It's a hard metric to play. I think Matea is a strong, really, really strong player. Definitely one of the ones to watch here who you know always is bringing it. So I think they've got their game that they're playing, and so I think it's working out, and it shows by you know we'll we'll do a catch up on the on the leaderboard shortly. But it's a it's a hard position to play, and it's it's a totally different set of metrics. It's a bit like playing for a wild card spot in the yes. old uh, TOC format, which was not my way of playing, as you know. So I don't know if I could do it, but clearly doesn't hinder Matea from getting those match points. Yeah, seems to be working for them. One of my favorite things about this show was certainly the movie music with Hans Zimmer category. Tell me about what it was like to visit Maestro Zimmer. Well, we went to his studio, which is in Santa Monica. Mm -hmm. You know, you pull up, you can't imagine where it could possibly be, and then you go into this beautiful room with, you know, state-of-the-art acoustics, tall ceilings, all sorts of knickknacks you might call it from all the various people he's worked with over the years and at one point we needed him to play the song Tennessee from the film Pearl Harbor and you know he hadn't played it in a while and mm-hmm. he said Ugh, I don't really like that song you know it's my girlfriend Dina's favorite song but I don't really like it and so you know he starts just playing it on the piano and all of us Alexa and Carlos on the podcast were there we were just mesmerized Mm. to hear that music live was so moving and by the time we ended up having him play it he said you know what I'm glad you had me play that I actually (laughs) that isn't crap after all it's actually pretty good and so I think that you might be hearing Tennessee more often from Hans thanks to Jeopardy I'd love to call out uh, Ken Jennings international nerd of mystery oh the writers have done it again I love that and I just love the (laughs) idea of Ken just being a nerd out in the world, solving international art crimes and the such. So that was a really, really funny one. Moving on to our second game of the day, James up against Matt and Amy. Yes, this was a crucial game for both Matt and Amy on the bubble of elimination to get those spots in the semifinals. They were neck and neck, splitting the daily doubles in double jeopardy. But James went on an absolute tear after that. 17 correct responses, 30,200 points heading into final jeopardy. Amy, once again, the only one to come up with the correct response in final. She locks in second place for a fifth time. James, of course, had already secured that runaway. But in the postgame chat, he says, you know what? That was not as easy as it looked. These two are very tough competitors and I'm very proud of myself. Very, very gracious of James, as always. Um, I do want to point out that James really had the buzzer mojo in both rounds. That's 35 buzzes out of 60 possible. That is incredible. I actually was sitting over on the contestant side of the audience, and I was watching the buzzer readout, which the contestant coordinators have, and I just, I haven't noticed, he's so locked in. He was just in the zone, to use a very 90s sports term, but he really, like watching the three of them going for their buzzers, he was right 
in the pocket. It was a thing of beauty. Yeah, Matt says that he is haunted by all of his incorrect responses, but he said that, you know, everything you don't know now is something that you will know the next time. Matt also joked that, you know, James would really be in trouble if he didn't have all these runaways because he just doesn't know any of the final Jeopardies. <laughs> and we don't really know if he does because he has always been taking the opportunity to make a joke about, you know, a dad joke, Ken in the woods. You never know what jokes he can come up with if given the chance to not have to respond in final. He reminds me of me in that way. Another Matt joke that happened during the Q&A with the audience, the masters were asked, what goes on in the new Jeopardy green room? And Matt joked, mostly snide comments. Now, how do you like the new green room, Buzzy? You've seen it on TV. Did you did you make your way back there in person? I did check it out. I mean, that is the PKA celebrity green room, is it, it not? It is. This is not the contestant green room. Of course, because of COVID, we've had our contestants over on the Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Fortune. stage. But three years later, we're finally going to make the move. Everyone's going to be together on the Alex Trebek stage next season. But yeah, this is our new celebrity green room. We gave it a, a little a zhuzh. A little zhuzh. I did enjoy uh, all the the photos of all the, you know, them in their moments. I I would love that. You know, like if I was about to go play and there were some like highlight photos of me, I think that would inspire me to play my best. Yes. And it was fun to bring the masters in there for the first time. And they saw those, you know, really cool epic moments of them in gameplay, living their best Jeopardy life. And now it's all live for all to see Uh, on the green room walls. Totally off topic. Do yeah. the wheel contestants wait on the Jeopardy set? They do. Oh. Yes. And by wait, they get their, you know, makeup and hair done, their briefing. This has kind of been our, our COVID protocol that now we can undo. A good neighbor policy. We are going to move on, but I just got to say one more time. To add 20,000 points to your score in double Jeopardy without hitting a daily double is unreal. Yes. And our hats are off to you, James. Yeah. And Erica Hosick, our TOC contestant, he even hopped on the Twitter and said, this legit might be the best individual Jeopardy performance ever, considering the level of competition and content. Absolute masterclass by at James Holtzauer tonight. It was. But that's that's what you can come to expect at Masters. That's what we've learned. <laughs> and now a quick word from our sponsor. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're selling books or bow ties, Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person point of sale system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash jeopardy to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash jeopardy. Now, back to Inside Jeopardy.
All right, moving on to Wednesday in primetime, where Matt Matea and Sam competed in the first game of the night. Matea had already locked in their spot for the semifinals, but Matt needed a win to secure his advancement. Although Sam was out of contention, he was still fighting for fifth place. You know, there's different prize money. Fifth place, 75000 Sixth place, 50000 So still $25,000 on the line right now for Sam. Matt had the lead at the end of the Jeopardy round, continued to dominate in double Jeopardy, finding back-to-back daily doubles on his way to an impressive runaway victory. He obviously felt the pressure, and he guaranteed himself a spot in the semifinals. Sam did finish in second place, earning one last match point, but this would be the end for Sam in Masters. He finishes in sixth place and takes home $50,000. I just want to give a little Sam wrap-up on stats. Please do. 90% correct response rate. Tied for the third highest of everyone in the quarterfinals. A 50% buzz percentage. So just to put that into perspective, that's the second highest buzz percentage behind only James. Wow. And number one in all our hearts. That's so true. Sam, a great competitor and a great guy. Can't wait to see him back here on the Alex Trebek stage in some capacity. And we know that capacity. Sam will be back in the JIT. Yes. The Jeopardy Invitational Tournament. Michael Davies has said it here on the pod. Our fourth, fifth, and sixth place finishers in Masters will be back for JIT. I'm already so excited that I have a guaranteed opportunity to have a little Sam Buttery Bring it, Sam. Bring it to the JIT. I can't wait. Yeah, I want to say a couple quick things about this game as well. I noticed that Matea was doing well in buzzer races. So that tells me that Matea has a lot of speed when it's a head-to-head, everybody knows the clue. That is going to come in handy as they advance and the competition gets tighter. And in general, I felt that, you know, this was kind of a closer game than it looks if you take out the nearly 10,000 points Matt still has a big lead but when you look at uh, other pieces of data like buzzer percentage etc it starts to go away and that was really how it really felt like they were duking it out didn't feel quite as dominant by Matt but really strong play and he did what he needed to do when he needed to do it and that is really an important factor for this and any tournament it's not about you know winning over a bunch of days you just got to win when it is time to win yes because when we head into the semifinals everything is zeroed out it doesn't matter how many quarterfinal matches you won or when you came in second or when you got zero points it's all evened out so being able to shake it off go into a new game win when you need to win uh matt's proving that he can do just that Well, we closed out the quarterfinals with james andrew and amy although his spot in the semifinals was already secured james Ran away with this game, responding correctly to 30 clues, finding all three daily doubles. And after wagering, get this, 25,600 points on that last daily double, his highest wager in all of the quarterfinals, James ends the double jeopardy round with 54,000 points. Wow. Amy finishes in third not moving on to the semifinals, but is taking home our fifth place prize of $75,000. I did like in the interview when uh, Andrew mentioned bringing back his signature TOC cat burglar turtleneck. And uh, Ken <laughs> called, said he looked very sprockets. Uh, Andrew, of course, being a little too young for that particular yes. Mike Myers SNL. Skit. I love, though, that Andrew said, look, Ken, when you said that to me, I had no idea <laughs> what you meant. I had to go look it up. Leander, a little young for Sprocket. 
I love sprocket. <laughs> Look at my monkey. Touch it. Feel it. Love it. Sprocket. <laughs> Amy, of course, with five second place finishes, had a funny response in Final Jeopardy. That is, um, why not two points for finishing in second? <laughs> yeah, that would help a little bit. In the post-game chat, Amy also talked about what it's like to watch tape of James, mm. you know, knowing that she was going to have to play him. Amy responded, uh, unpleasant. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of our masters on Twitter saying very kind things about each other. In spite of his game show villain persona, James very, very complimentary about both Amy and Sam, who are not moving forward to the semis. And then Matea also mentioning, wow, what a game. And um, I think Matea certainly felt the heat going into the semis against this kind of performer. Yeah, I loved when Amy actually went on Twitter and <laughs> joked that, uh, to the best of my knowledge, only two games of Jeopardy have ever aired in which nothing was at stake, and I played in both of them, obviously referring to this quarterfinal Masters game and also to the TOC exhibition game. So all I know is Amy brought great television to both of those games and uh, looking forward to seeing her in the JIT as well. So as we move into the semifinals, let's do a quick leaderboard recap. Uh, as we mentioned, Sam and Amy are eliminated. Uh, in fourth place, Matea with eight match points. In third place, Matt Amodio with nine. In second place, Andrew He with 13. And in first place with 18 match points, James the Menace Holtzhauer. Yes, but sorry, James. It's all going back to zero <laughs> starting tonight. We will play those four semifinal games over the next two nights in two episodes, every combination. So basically, all four of our semifinalists will each play in three games. Plenty of opportunity to see, you know, every matchup, how it works out. I can't wait for it. You'll want to see that tonight. Hi, I'm Buzzy Cohen. You've heard me on Inside Jeopardy, breaking down stats, analyzing contestant plays, and reviewing key moments from recent games. Well, I'm hosting another Jeopardy podcast, but this one's a little bit different. Think less sports, more history. We'll be taking you on a journey from Jeopardy's beginning in the 1960s through the Alex Trebek years to its current day super champs. For the last 60 years, we've been watching one show. Hear how it all came together on This Is Jeopardy. The story of America's favorite quiz show. Out now from Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV. We're heading back to syndicated Jeopardy. We saw the long-awaited return of three-day champion Ben Chan going up against eight-day champion Hannah Wilson up against poor Wendy Swanson. I mean, that's a tough draw when you get in a game yeah. against two big champions. Ben dominated in his return, 34 correct responses, all three daily doubles, $13,000 added to his score just from the daily doubles alone, cruising his way into a fourth runaway victory. Remember, he had three before he took a little break. Ended his score with $60,000. Wow. Unfortunately, we had to say goodbye to Hannah Wilson. We know we're going to be seeing her in the Tournament of Champions. And I just want to remind everyone again, I know there was a lot of commentary about so unfair to Hannah to have her going up against Ben. As we've mentioned, you know, Ben himself has said he did uh, have COVID. He was unable to travel. And so we had to wait till we could rebook him on the next set of tape days. When that was possible, he was booked weeks in advance before we knew who would be playing, who the champion would be. And there's really no fair way to bring back a co-champion. I know some people said, well, you should wait till Hannah ended her run and then bring him in. But then you're manipulating the competition. Like, there really is no fair way other than to say, 
when a champion comes back, they're booked to play in the Monday show. And in this case, both of them were booked before we knew who the champion would be. So Ben goes on to live another day. I imagine that Wendy thought she had maybe walked in on the wrong day and was at a master's taping being stuck <laughs> up against Ben and Hannah. But really, you know, you got to make the best of it. And I could tell that in spite of all that, Wendy was having the time of her life. Yeah, and even Hannah said she felt incredibly relieved that it was actually going to be nice to think about something else other than Jeopardy. Now, can you for relate to months, that? For a few months. For a few months. Right. <laughs> but when your initial run ended and then you knew you were going to come back for the TOC, but not immediately, was there a little sense of relief? No, I wanted to just keep playing. Okay. I still want to keep playing. Okay. Well, you're playing along with us. I am, yes. In the studio all the time, and we love that buzzy. Ben returned on Tuesday for the all-important TOC qualifying fifth game to secure his spot up against Tom Winiarski and Lydia Claire Kerrigan. Another impressive performance by Ben, but Lydia Claire, she did put up a fight, nearly getting half of Ben's score heading into final, but just falling short. Ben secures that fifth win and that spot in the TOC. I got to say, Ben is one of these players that when you have now won five games, all of them as runaways, that is nothing, nothing to slouch at. You know, now that he has secured his spot in the TOC, whatever happens after this, he is one to watch. Yeah. After this game, uh, he declared to Mayim, "Uh, I need a snack. And then when we first, you know, asked him about it, Ben, you're headed to the TOC. He goes, yeah, it's very exciting. Ray Lalonde, I just want to give him a hug. (laughs) So, Ray, if you're listening, Ben can't wait to give you a big hug at the TOC. This is the Jeopardy community we love so much that even though you're going to face someone, it's going to be a tough challenge in the TOC. You're ready to just put your arms around him. Didn't want to hug Chris Panulo. Interesting. We'll get into that on another show, (laughs) but let's move on to Wednesday's episode. All right. Ben facing Brittany Segrin and David Liu. Ben scores another 30-plus correct responses, once again found all three daily doubles on his way to a sixth runaway win. Sixth runaway win, and now after just six games, far surpassed my nine-game total, which is just more fodder for Michael Davies to tell me what a terrible Jeopardy champion I was. However, I don't think that's what he said. I think he just was saying maybe you weren't up to Hannah Wilson okay. stats, maybe. I, th- I think that's fair. That's fair. I rise to the caliber of contestant that I'm up against. But Did anyway, we pull any stats for you against Hannah Wilson? Let's not Hannah talk Wilson? about, the, I, I not talk about okay. wh- whether or not There may or may not be some stats there, across the way, but, but regardless... Anyway, you're a master ben, in my eyes. As he said he? in his post game chat, Ben definitely needs that snack now, maybe a nap <laughs> and a snack. Well, Ben was back on Thursday to face John Groves and Kristen Beck. It was the Ben show yet again. John and Kristen, they did what they could, but Ben was too good on that signaling device, successfully ringing in 32 times, scoring 34 correct responses thanks to two daily doubles. Another huge runaway for Ben. He certainly got more than a snack, as we know, the Thursday game tapes after lunch, and he came back refreshed and ready to win. Well, on Friday, we closed out the week with Ben, Erica Johnson, and Chris Hammer. But it was Ben who was bringing down the hammer, building a strong lead in the Jeopardy round and finding both daily doubles in double Jeopardy. Actually, though, incorrect on both, losing, oh, $10,000. $10,000, you know, easy come, easy go for Ben, finishing the round with a mere 12400 but it was just enough to earn him his eighth 
runaway in his eighth win. Eight games, eight runaways. That is incredibly impressive. Ben, I got my eye on you. I'm tuning in tonight. Well, before you do, I did have a chance to catch up with Ben after a very impressive week of games. So let's take a listen. Ben Chan, eight-day Jeopardy champion. How does that sound? I haven't processed it yet. I mean, I don't think in the things I was imagining I ever put those three words together, right? So it sounds great. (laughs) I love that you said your friend once said to you, you're TOC material, and you thought, no, not me. And here you are. You're definitely going to be in the TOC. It's it's hard to win one, right? So um, thinking that you might be TOC material seems ridiculous, so. But I am, so it happened. You are. And I know you were saying you're looking forward to meeting Ray Lalonde. Do you want to give him a big hug? Yeah, I, I admire a lot of the players that have come through. And I think, you know, this season have has seen a lot of very likable and talented players. But there's something about Ray where it just seems like it would be particularly enjoyable, you know, to, to share the stage with Ray and have the Ray experience. All right. Well, I I can say he's a wonderful person, so I'm excited you're going to meet him. So you find out you're going to be on the show. You come. You're doing well. It's April. You've got a three-day champion (laughs) status. You leave us. All of a sudden, you're not able to travel back, and you're watching other champions come (laughs) and go, waiting for your next chance. And the day you show up, you find out you're going up against an (laughs) eight-day champion in Hannah Wilson. What was that like? That was, uh, I'd say... uh, intimidating, right? So, um, you know, to, to hear that, to hear her number, and also, you know, when I met her, she's super nice and also, like, super confident so and super cool. So uh, I'd have I'd say I was worried going in, but it also probably raised my game in that first game where I was, um, you know, firing on all cylinders. You've been put in an interesting position. Every time you head into final... You don't even have to wager. You've already run away with the game in all eight of your victories. Yeah, I'm sorry. It seems like that makes bad TV, but um, <laughs> it's much less stressful for me. The, the biggest stress has been making sure I get the math right. Well, you've earned over a quarter million dollars. Is that true? It is true. <laughs> I know you talked about your wife and your dogs, Ruthie and Chester. They're going to travel in style. Any idea where you're going to head first or what else you're going to do with your earnings? So I think we definitely have like a massive East Coast tour planned. I don't know, maybe we can get like a, a camper now. That's, that's, this is oddly big money. <laughs> it is oddly big money. Yeah. It could just be beginning. We don't know. Congratulations on eight wins. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you back here. Thank you. Eight games, eight runaways. That is incredibly impressive. Well, it's never happened before, actually, Buzzy. Obviously, we've had champions like James sure. and Ken go on to have streaks where they had at least eight runaways. But no champion in the history of Jeopardy has won their first eight games in a runaway. That title, Ben holds it. Wow. Well, hopefully he can enjoy that title this weekend as he unwinds, maybe hops in the pool for a quick pool party. But do we have... Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? (laughs) Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. (laughs) If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Some viewer questions to answer. Let's do it. Jimmy asks, what would happen if on Monday's Masters episode, Sam had wagered zero? Would Andrew have won the one point because he got the final clue right? Or would there be a tiebreaker clue? All right. So for those of you who maybe have forgotten what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast back in Monday's Masters episode, this was the one where heading into final, both Sam and Andrew had a tie. Sam, of course, wagered everything, which did not end up being a tie with Andrew. But if they had ended the round of Final Jeopardy with a tie, we would have played our standard tiebreaker procedure like we do in the show. We would have Ken say, we have a tie. We're going to head into a tiebreaker. He would have revealed a clue for both Andrew and Sam, and the first one to ring in with a correct response would have won that one point in this case, because it would be for a second place finish. And how the tiebreaker works, we play it until someone does ring in correctly. Right. We don't use all of those in the show. You'll only see the final clue that someone did respond correctly to. But thanks for the question, Jimmy. That's a good one. Angela asks, has a contestant ever had to leave suddenly in the middle of a taping for a sudden illness, as an example? If so, how does that get handled? And if not, how would it be handled? Well, Angela, again, it was a little while ago that we talked about it, but this did happen, and it happened for Masters. As we mentioned, because Andrew needed to leave early, we did cancel the remaining taping for that afternoon. You know, we didn't want to say what it was, so we had to come out and make an announcement to our audience. They had already been seated and say we're really sorry due to an unforeseen happy circumstance for one of our contestants. We are going to have to cancel this afternoon's taping. They were offered seats at our next Masters taping. We'll talk more about the future Masters tapings in a future episode next week. But it's a rarity, and it certainly did happen in Masters. I want to ask a follow-up question, Sarah. So obviously this was Masters where there's a set group of contestants. If a regular contestant gets sick in the middle of a day, would it sort of be a Ben Chan situation where they could kind of duck out and then be invited back? Absolutely. I don't remember any time when a champion who's already in Los Angeles, you know, prepared to play has ever not been able to do so. But certainly we want all of our contestants to feel that this is a show that wants them to succeed, wants them to play well and wants to be on the stage when they are at their best. And they do. And this is really the best. We've got Ben Chan on the syndicated show. We've got the Masters on the Masters. You're you're living in the golden age of Jeopardy right now. It is amazing. J-P-T-J-A-T. J-M-A-T-J-M-P-T. It's all happening. Well, that wraps up today's show. What a week. I have sweat through my suit in the studio. (laughs) I cannot wait for our pool party after this. Us, the entire Inside Jeopardy crew, because we are working hard to recap these games for you. Listeners, you are in for a treat. We will be back for the semifinals of Masters and Ben Chan next week, and we will be breaking it all down. That's right, Buzzy. We are so close to crowning our first ever Jeopardy! Masters champion. And as a reminder, we're going to be sharing a special interview with the champion right after they are announced as our winner Wednesday evening following the finale at 9 p.m. Eastern. So be sure to head to our YouTube channel. Check it out. You will want to hear what our first ever Masters champion has to say moments after they are crowned the victor and awarded that Trebek trophy. As always, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And please send us your questions to Podcast at gmail.com. See you next week. 